Todd Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, we are all back all Hang through. on, hang on. When did the Troy Malcolm slip into the introduction? Okay, so uh, John... <laughs> this uh, is getting too much now. No, look, I'm going to feel sorry for Troy because last week um, he wasn't around. We had a replacement, as you know. He was... Uh, Went he was, very well to he, the replacement. Yeah, well... First uh, reserve up off the bench, did particularly well. Eight out of ten, John? I was saying nine, but I'll go with an eight. So, Troy, just remember... Not what the listeners were saying. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> the issue at the moment is we've got coaches and a, and a captain here that picked the squad. We're not, this is not super coach, right? So, talking about... Uh, it's good to be back. It is good to be back, Johnny. Talking about football, um, my uh, Melbourne agents that are fans of this podcast, they mm-hmm. said... They love it, but uh, they want us to make reference to um, AFL. Welcome to our Melbourne listeners. Welcome. Amongst the best agents in the world, I think, Victorians. I have always had incredible admiration, jokes aside. I learnt my auctioneering skills from a few incredibly proficient auctioneers in Melbourne. and I think Melbourne, auction, uh, Melbourne agents are amongst the best on planet, so it's great that we've got a following down south. So we're thinking of you, and as John has said, we think you guys are the best of the best. And we'd also like to let you know we are aware that the Sydney Swans are playing mm-hmm. uh, this week. And uh, Troy, um, they're playing... Kangaroos. The Kangaroos. They're playing the Kangaroos, OK? So they're the... Easy. The, Easy. Yeah, yeah, so that's... Warm, uh, up, warm up for the grand final, I suspect. Yeah. And John, it's the Hawks play um, Port. Um, so, Troy, you're, you, you really do amaze me, Troy. This guy here, John, is there anything... Can this guy not do anything right? I mean, he's a sports champion, he's auctioneering, I IT, know. social media, I know. model. Looks like Tom Ford. Unbelievable. Anyway. This guy's... Re- and all we want well, is look, good sound. As much as we love the Melbourne agents, I suspect everyone's playing for second, aren't they? I mean, the Swans have been dominant all year. Would that be fair to say? That would be fair to say, John. And I suspect they have that uh, footy finals experience that'll probably just take them all the way. So there's, a, there's an air of confidence in this man because when, when, when you've got a week off, when the South Sydney's got a week off and they can sit down, relax on their lounge chairs and eat 600 grams of uh, rump steak getting ready for the next game. So, John, you've got to be excited. You're a South um, a board member. You love the rabbits. Um, it is an yeah. uh, exciting time, isn't it? Well, it's, a, it's an exciting time for sport, exciting time for real estate. Spring, I think it is. There's something about, and I don't know how nature does it, but almost every year on the 1st of September, the world seems to change and the, the weather just changes. I know we had a couple of cold days, certainly in Sydney. I think Melbourne did too this year, but I think it's a great time to be in real estate. And, um, you know, whether you're a sports follower or just a, a real estate professional, you know, this is, this is the next three months before between now and the end of the year is a very important time. So um, I know someone sent you an interesting SMS, Tom, when you flicked it onto me, and I think that's actually going to form the basis of today. Do you want to summarise what their yeah. question was? Uh, question, hi, Tom. A suggested topic for Million Dollar Agent Podcast. How do you combat and change the mind of people within your office that have a policy of price high Tell the seller what they want to hear or even hire to ensure you get the listing. Quote low commission and either throw in the marketing or even better, give the seller a payment option of on sale or withdrawal and then they will never leave you because they've got to pay the bill. It's tough when this policy comes from the top 
and you are criticised for not following this policy and you lose a listing to another agent who does just this. So, John, this question really sums up the essence of real estate. This thing about the biggest liar gets the job, you've got nothing else you can give, give them a low fee, Um, the words that they use, educate, Mm. condition, get Mm. the vendor down, they'll be stuck with you. It sums up real estate in many aspects. Look, I, I think it sums up the old thoughts about real estate and unfortunately there's still a lot of old habits out there. I mean, one of my greatest concerns for the, for the author of this message is that it's actually happening in his or her office. Um, it's bad enough because most of the time I hear this and people say when our competitors are over-quoting and our competitors are under-quoting in terms of fees, in this instance, this person seems to have the problem within their own organisation. So I think, you know, we'll talk about the overall answer in a minute, but I think if you're in it, my first piece of advice, Tom, would be if you're in a culture that doesn't respect agents, doesn't respect the community, doesn't look after vendors, doesn't treat people with respect and integrity, and you don't think you can change that, I actually think bottom line is you've got to get out of there. Because this is a serious transaction, this is one of the most important functions that people can do, which is look after the sale of someone's home. And if you are being led by a sales manager or a principal or within a culture... Now, I'm all for changing the culture, and, and I would back myself, if I was the person that wrote that, to try and at least give it a chance. But at the end of the day, do you really want to turn up to work if your colleagues are not telling the truth and if your colleagues don't believe in the service they offer? My answer would be probably not. John, in your experience, can a sales agent operate in their own little bubble against what everyone else is doing, including the principal, and, and, and trying to um, isolate themselves and create a shield. I think Dr. Fred uses that shielding, word, shielding. Yeah. Is, it, is it too hard on a daily basis to sort of operate in two cultures, your own and the office? My view, Tommy, is that 80 to 90% yes. You, you can definitely have your own set of values, and if people around you are, have lower standards, that doesn't mean you have to compromise. But there is a halo effect. You know, if you're doing great work treating people with integrity and your colleague that sits next to you is opening a property up the road and telling fibs and white lies and trying to condition vendors the old-fashioned way, there's going to have some impact on you and obviously on your brand in that market. So you can definitely continue to uphold your own standards, but there's going to be at some point in time... I think you want to be surrounded by like-minded colleagues... You want to have a, a principal or a sales manager that inspires you and you look up to, that holds you accountable to the highest possible standards, rather than someone that you'll kind of continually drag up the food chain a bit. So, look, I, I think, you know, I hate, I hate ever saying to anyone you might want to consider leaving, but in this particular instance, based on that communication, you, you might actually want to think about are you in the right place? But probably more for most people, because I'm hoping that most listeners are not in that, but I'm sure most listeners could probably say this about some of their competitors in their marketplace. So maybe you'd be more constructive. Let's talk about what do you do in the marketplace. So I was uh, having a coaching session with one of my young guys this morning. And what I said to him is, you need to be at a point of confidence, competence, skill and mastery. So if you walk into a listing and someone said, well, let me just tell you, Tom, the other agents in the area tell me it's worth half a million more than you. They're charging me half what you're going to charge me. They're paying for marketing. And by the way, I had a bad experience with someone at your office only two years ago, and I swore I'd never go back there. So literally, they're throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at you. You need to be at a point of in your life and your, your sales mastery where you take it on board, you listen, 
you turn around you say, Tom, I really understand where you're at. Let me take those things one at a time because without a doubt I still believe I'm the best person to represent you and to get the best price for your property. Let's talk about those issues. So I guess what I'm metaphorically trying to say is none of these things should be, op- should be issues that put you off your game because guess what? Nearly every agent, sorry, nearly everyone has an agent in their community, if not a number of agents, that overprice the listing. Some of them unfortunately do it on purpose, some of them do it because they don't research enough. Um, so that's critical. We all know there are fee discounters. In fact, I think there are more fee discounters today than I've ever seen. Mm. There seems to be some level of pressure and people are following that pressure in the market and very few people are standing up to defend their fee so they can get an appropriate fee, which I think down the track's an issue because today they get the 1% and then all of a sudden by the time they split them or whatever, they're not reinvesting in their business. They're not getting the right fee for their professional service and therefore the service levels will ultimately go down. So I think let's take them one at a time. Again, and we've talked about this, but let's talk about it again because it's critical. On the pricing, when people say to me, I missed the listing because someone else priced it higher, I don't buy that. Mm. I say you missed the listing because you didn't handle the issue of pricing well enough. So when I go in with the vendor, I'll firstly talk about the agenda and I'll say something like this. Tom, People that have had me represent them in the past normally want to, at this point of time, in deciding on who to choose, they want to talk about two or three or four different things. One of them, of course, is the pricing of the home and what other homes similar to theirs have been selling in the marketplace for. So in advance, I've prepared what I think are the four or five most recent sales that the buyers will see as benchmarks to determining your sale. I said to my team this morning when I was coaching them, Tom, you have to be a wordsmith. Because I could have said something similar to that, we would have thrown it out. I could have said, so Tom, most people want to know the value of their property, so that's the first thing I'm going to talk about. Very different outcome. So I position it in the mind of the seller that today's not the day to determine price. Today's the day to understand what has been selling, like your property, that are probably going to be used as benchmark comparable sales by the buyers. John, just pause there. You said that beautifully. Someone else that's listening to this at the moment is going out to a listing presentation in an hour or two, and they're saying to themselves, he says that so well, I can't do that. I'm gonna be sitting there in front of a vendor, I can't say that, I'm probably gonna do the bit he said that, don't do it this way, I wanna do it the way John said it. What advice do you give them? How do they get the flow of words? How do they have the ability to not use a thousand words when 50 will do and actually say what needs to be said in 30 seconds? Yeah, look, it's really interesting. Uh, I think it starts with uh, an understanding that less is more. Often, the less you say is far more compelling than saying lots and lots of words. A lot of people say lots and lots of words because they've been taught salesmen talk a lot. My view is salesmen listen a lot. Uh, Second thing is they think the more you tell them, the more they'll understand. I say the less that you tell them, the more they'll remember. So I think you've got to start with a philosophy that communication should be concise and succinct. Second thing is, behind the communication, Tom, there's a philosophy. My philosophy is, you as a vendor and me as the agent, guess what? We don't know what it's worth. All we know is other homes similar to this have been selling for a certain price range. That's what we do know. We don't know whether buyers are going to come on like this more or less, pay more or less, whether there's going to be 10 or 2 or none. So I think it's really critical to have that understanding Know that the best advice you can give a vendor is not around what it's worth, but what other homes have been selling for. 
and then spend most of the time, and I say this, so Tom, once we've had a look at these recent comparable sales, let's invest most of our time today in determining the best way forward and the best process and the best marketing strategy to maximise price. Because we can talk for the next three hours about price and we're actually not going to be any closer to the real price than we are right now at this minute because the only way to determine the price is to go to market. Okay, so John, you're saying that uh, do everything that you can to move towards process yep. and less about price. Is it a fine line between giving someone hope and telling them that they're overpriced? Yeah, look, it is, I guess it's a fine line. So let's, let's take a good example. Uh, I've looked at it and I've given you five sales that have been between 500 and 550. Yeah. So you look at me and you say, well, John, so what are you saying? Five to 550, is that all I can get? And my comment would be, well, Tom, that's what other homes on a similar sized plot of land with similar improvements to yours have been fetching recently. What was your expectation or what are you looking for? Oh, I had people tell me 600. I understand. Um, so what I would then do in terms of that, I would say, Tom, you know, here's what we need to do is if we go to market, I'm going to be bringing buyers through that got a six to 650,000 budget. So rest assured, we are never going to undersell this home. I'm going to be bringing people through that have got that and more. But what people are going to look at is when they decide to make their final offer, what else has been selling? So I guess we can't ignore the fact that similar homes this have been selling for an amount somewhat less than what you're hoping for. However, I'm not going to say you can't get 600 because on many occasions we've got much more than we had really anticipated. What I'd like to do is focus on the process we took those homes through to get a premium price. Beautiful. John, that is so, like I would say to people, just do that rewind bit, hear it over again. Um, Mr and Mrs Seller, it's not the price, it's the process that's going to get you sold for top dollar. Let's chat about that process. Exactly right. And it's not evasive. And some people say, oh, so you're saying, make sure you don't talk about price. No, make sure you talk about comparables and then get their feedback. So how does that feel? What were you expecting? Does, do those comparables fit with what you think in the community is selling like yours? And, and sometimes they'll say, well, look, to be honest, I was hoping to get a little bit more. And I would say, look, I understand. I'm hoping to get a bit more as well. That's why I'm here. Well, I've got to say, that was very well put, John, because I was sitting there thinking on the vendor, you're saying to me, that other agent hasn't got exclusive rights of 650 buyers. Correct. I'm bringing those buyers over as well. And they, want to, they must know... Because some agents would say, well, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. This is not worth 600. Well, guess what? You've probably just lost the listing and you may be wrong because oftentimes we do get, especially in a market like this right now, Australia, many parts of Australia is in, you know, a very strong market. You go to auction, if you're an auction agent, you get six people bidding, five to 550 can very quickly become 600. Um, So I think it's important never to commit and paint yourself in a corner. And it's also important never to take the prospect away that a price of vendor... Look, if the vendor said, I want a million, it's a different conversation. At some point, the price expectation, if they throw it on the table, if it's so far from what the comparables are at, you probably want to start to walk away from that listing. Yeah. But assuming that most vendors are going to be within 5 to 15% of what the comparables are selling, so 550 becomes 570 to 620, well, you know, let's just embark on the process... We know what the comparables are selling at. I'm going to bring buyers through. They've got six to 650. So if that's out there, I'll get it. 
But Tom, what I'm confident about is my ability, my skills, my resources to extract the highest possible amount from the market. And that's what I really want to focus on here today. Okay. So John, you've covered that very well on the price. The other component to this is the fee. Let's talk about that. So on the fee side again, I think it starts, all of my dialogue or my strategic approaches start with a belief. My belief is at 2.5% I'm great value when my competitors are at zero. How do I work that out? Well, I think that I can get 5 to 10% more for any property on the planet because I have a certain approach, I've got a certain marketing strategy, I've got a certain auctioneering skills, negotiation skills. I think our brand, my personal brand, our company's brand in the market has a high level of credibility that has the ability to extract better results. So you put all those things together, it's not hard to come up with a 5 to 10% rationale. So I look at that and I think, well, if I'm 2.5 and the others are zero, they should still pick me. It makes sense. Am I ever 2.5 and the others are zero? Clearly not. In fact, most of the time, the, the, the example is 2.5, 1.5. So let's say your average sale price is 750, and that might be the average sale price for, the, for the, our listeners out there. What we're really doing is bringing it back to a $7,500 discussion. Yep, because that's 1% difference. 1% difference. Yep. So, you know, what I start with is that philosophy, and then I move to, when we, if we have the discussion, and I usually bring fees up proactively. I don't wait, I don't start filling out a form and wait for someone to say, well, hang on a sec, whoa, 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 what is the number you're putting in there, or tell me about your fees. I, I talk about, you know, Tom, you know, marketing, marketing's due and payable at the beginning, the investment at the beginning, so, because once we've placed all our ads, we're committed to pay for those, so it's important that we're covered for that. With regard to fees, our professional fees are 2.5% plus GST. Um, that, of course, doesn't get paid until settlement, which means you've got a price that you're more than happy with and we're all moving forward and we're celebrating. Um, until such a time, you won't say yes to an offer until you're very happy with your net outcome. So, I, you know, we're in a good position there in terms of I'm not asking the vendor for a cheque for 2.5% today for fees. I'm saying at the end result. And I think positioning of that is good. And then some people say, well, you know, John, just before we go on, I hear you're 2.5%. But I've got to tell you, there's some very good agents in the market that I've spoken to, and they're at 1.5%. So then I would say, well, Tom, just tell me, if, if these agents were at the same fee level as me, so either they came up or I came down, who would you choose? I'd pick you, if you were right. the same. Right. So I guess the question is, is the extra 1%, if we break that down to approximately the value of our home, based on our previous discussion, is around 7500 I guess you need to make a decision that you're about to dispose of your most valuable financial asset. You're only going to do it once a decade. Is it worthwhile selecting the best agent and paying a few more thousand or choosing the second best agent and trying to save that money? Because at the end of the day, I actually don't think you can save the money by choosing the second best agent. And that's where I go. I talk through the additional value add, the services, the case study. So what are the important components? Number one is... I'll guarantee you no one starts negotiating fees unless they want to hire you. Yeah. People don't go to the third agent in the list and say, well, Troy, you know, what would you do it at? The, 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 the agents, they might actually ask that, but they won't say, would you do it for less? So they won't start haggling you down. So you should be in a position where you're pretty comfortable that if they start trying to drill in on fees, you're the preferred agent, which is why you should and can ask that question. So then they acknowledge that you're the agent of choice. You then break it down from a percentage to a dollar figure. 
So let's say it's 1% on 750, 7,500. So then I have the discussion. I say, Tom, you, know, you need to make a decision. Do you want the best agent, the agent of choice? And he prepared to pay a little bit more. And as I said before, you only paid at settlement. So I have to get a price, including my fee, that you're delighted with before you're going to say yes to the offer. Mm. Now, that knocks out nine out of 10. One out of 10, by the way, will go for the lowest tenderer or a good agent at a lower fee. And I'm okay with that too. I understand the world of business. Not everyone wants to stop shop at David Jones. Some people go to Kmart and Target, which is totally fine too. Um, but you've got to work out which end of the scale your business in. And you can't, you can't be charging David Jones prices and giving a Kmart service. Yeah. And you can't be charging Kmart fees and purporting to give a David Jones service. So something's got to break. So we, when we set the business up, we decided to go for total solution, full service, commitment to excellence, commitment to the greatest possible service we could deliver. And that costs a bit more than scraping by on a one, one and a half percent deal. But John, just listening to the way you approach that, you've got a belief and a mindset that you're going in from a value-based proposition, Correct. not a commission-based proposition. You're saying, uh, don't pick me on fee, pick me on value. And everything that you're essentially saying is that at the end of the day, the cheapest agent is in fact the one that gets you the best price because you've pretty much articulated that if the difference is going to be, let's even assume 5%, I'm not even going to use 10%, 5%, yeah. and we're talking about a fee differential of 1%, 1%. we're still talking about on a $750,000 price, 4%, which is about $40,000, so essentially what we're saying is that even at that level, you are better off going, but I think the key to it is the way you said that, this wasn't some practice line, it was a belief. It comes from a deep belief. Yeah. But then, by the way, you need to practice your dialogue because you can have the belief and still be awkward when they bring the objection out. So it's a combination of believing it, yeah. um, practicing it to yeah. a point where it becomes comfortable and it doesn't sound robotic. Because a lot of agents are here when they either pitch, they present, or they counter objections, they sound like robots. Yeah. So it's really important that this becomes a part of your natural conversation and dialogue. So, John, it's the ability to believe something, to rehearse it so well, to go in there with the right intention, but at the same time, not to sound like you've just come out of scripts and dialogue school. Correct, correct. In fact, I think it was Tom, uh, Tom um, not Tom Peters. Uh, Hopkins. Tom, Tommy Hopkins, sorry, thank you. And he talked about, you know, you have to rehearse it until you forget it, until it just becomes embedded in your conversation. As though you're going to have a coffee with a buddy and you sat down, you had a chat. It wouldn't sound robotic. It's going to sound authentic and natural and conversation's going to flow. Your listing presentation needs to have that same comfortable approach to it. Okay. John, um, thanks a lot. As we finish off this uh, podcast... I would just like to remind people, vendors pay a commission, but it is value that they get. Next week, we're going to come to you live from Concord, a new franchise. Well, it's actually, it's a company-owned company office. office uh, yeah. John, we're going to be out there. You're doing uh, training and coaching with the staff there. So we look forward to seeing you from Concord. Have a great week to our listeners. Talk to you there.